0: Welcome to The Delling Pod with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest. But before I introduce him, a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by our old friends, nutrahealth 365com You'll remember they produce the, the, the vitamin D3 supplement immune x 365 which i've been taking myself and i i have this theory i'm not a doctor thank goodness but i reckon that if everyone had taken immune x 365 instead of having the jibby jab i reckon the mortality figures during the alleged covid pandemic might have been a tiny bit smaller you can find more about the effects of of um of vitamin d3 on your immune system at the, the, the NutriHealth365 website. I'll give you the details below. But vitamin D3 is really important for your immune system and I, I think it's generally agreed now among medics and non, non-medics alike. Everyone who's awake knows about vitamin D3. But did you know that over 40% of the population in Britain do not have the correct amount of vitamin D3 in their body. And and um, among um, people with darker skin, this rises to over 60%. So you really should probably be taking a vitamin D3 supplement, especially in winter when, of course, your exposure to sun, sunlight is, is, is smaller. What's particularly good about this particular um, vitamin D3 product is that it, it has got besides having high high strength vitamin d3 it's got it's got 4000 iu vitamin d3 it also contains high levels of of zinc quercetin and critically vitamin k2 you need that combination of vitamin d3 and and k2 for it to be uh for it to work properly um i've been taking immune x 365 for the last last two or three months and i haven't got ill yet now it could just be a coincidence but i'm i'm putting my 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 trust in in immune x 365 so go to the website neutralhealth365.com and you can find you um all their d- different products advertised there uh you'll get lots of information about about their, their products and Uh, order their products and you get a free two-day track delivery on all orders you get 20% off if you buy any three it's worth noting that if you were to buy these these ingredients separately you know in other words the vitamin d3 and the k2 separately the the individual components would cost you about five times as much so i think it's a really good good product i'm 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 thriving at the moment having taken it and i mean if they're supporting me you should support them too We've had lots of good feedback so far. So that's nutrahealth365.com. Thank you. Welcome back to the Delling Pod, Alex Craner. Um, Thank you,
1: James. Great pleasure to be with you. Warm greetings from Monaco to all your viewers and listeners.
0: You're such, a, you're, you're such an everyman, Alex. I mean, almost everyone can relate to living in Monaco. <laughs> How, what, what does it cost? To, to, to what's the average house price or rental price in Monaco? Oh, it's very
1: difficult to say, you know, because there's a very, very wide range, you know. Uh, but let's say that if you compared rent in Monaco yeah. to nice areas of London or Paris, it's not that expensive. In fact, I would say maybe it's cheaper even. Now, having said that, you can go crazy, and you can rent places that cost eighty thousand euros a month. Yeah. You know, but you can you can also find places that cost two thousand euros
0: a month. Well, like so, a, a broom cupboard. <laughs> a broom no, cupboard.
1: no, no. But let's say uh, let's say uh, uh, an okay two-bedroom, no, one-bedroom apartment. Uh, you know, like sixty square meters uh you can find it between 2 and 3000 euros a month
0: and i suppose you've got no taxes have you is it is it tax free
1: yeah there's no there's no taxes so uh, personal taxes are zero uh, corporate taxes it's a funny thing because corporate taxes on the face of it are high yeah. i'm not sure if they're 25 or 35% either but in reality uh, corporate taxes are paid after dividends uniquely so what people do is they, you know, they, they pillage their own companies and then pay taxes on whatever, whatever is left. And generally, you know, the taxman is, uh, uh, you know, soft and you, you usually negotiate what you're going to pay. And if you pay something between 2 and 6%, you're okay. And uh, I think that they're quite happy to get uh, five or six percent out of you on your on your profits, right? So oh, if you okay. Pay, if you pay your tax, the taxman five five or six percent on your profits, they're happy. Uh, you know, you uh, the the way uh, the way law stands, you can be abusive. You know, you can you can take out all the profits out in dividends and say like, well, you know, there's nothing to pay taxes from. But they're not stupid, so. Um, you know, uh, you have to, you, you give and you get, and you have to kind of be correct towards them, and then
0: they're correct towards you. It's, a, and
1: just, it's, it's not a democracy, you see.
0: No, no. Well, <laughs> um, just remind us how how you earn your living that enables you to, to, to live in Monaco.
1: Okay, so uh, when I came to Monaco at first, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I came as a, uh, to work in an oil trading company, and I worked there as a market analyst. And uh, then I became the company's uh, group-wide uh, uh, head of risk uh, because there was, you know, there was a company in Monaco that was uh, focused on oil trading, but it was part of the larger Swiss group out of Geneva that was, a, you know, generally commodities trading group, but real commodities, not uh, not uh, not papers, not not paper derivatives. Like we moved real cargos around. And so I did that for a while and uh, that led me into a, into a let's call it tech, technology R&D project where I developed a model to kind of manage the risk of price exposure because our group's biggest risk was exposure to the oil, oil prices. And so they asked me to figure it out, you know, to come up with something so that we make money, make more money than we lose. Uh, but by the time I, I uh, came uh, full distance with this, this project, they were not quite happy with me because what they had in mind is some kind of a way of making accurate short-term predictions about the imminent market fluctuations. Yeah, And uh, I, I came very quickly to the conclusion that that's impossible. You cannot predict what's going to happen in the next hour, let alone predicting what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. What I did instead is I kind of, uh, by, by looking into it, by researching, by working with my, my colleagues and my team, we converged on the idea that markets move in trends and that we should therefore try to follow trends. Simply, if the trends are up, let's err on the long side. If the trend is down, let's err on the short side. And, you know, over over long sequence of time, we should be getting ahead. And then I also said, look, uh, you know, uh, this is, a, this is a, an algorithmic systematic model, uh, we developed it around the oil markets, but it can be applied to anything that moves. You know, any time series, whether it's currencies or or gold or copper or soybeans, whatever, stock markets, treasuries. Uh, we can we can trade any of that using this model. And I said, like, why don't we diversify it into the hedge fund industry? Where my company, you know, these people, the owners of the company, they were all geezers who started their business in the 1970s, and they were like, well, you know, whatever, that's not our business. Uh, If you feel strongly about it, the door's open and you're welcome to leave. And I was uh, 33 years old, long on ambition uh, and short on sense. And so I said, right, I'm out of here. So I left and it took me a while to elbow my way into the hedge fund industry, because, you know, when nobody knows, you're invisible. It doesn't matter what story you tell people. They're like, yeah, whatever, you know, we've seen ambitious people before. And it took me a while and then I managed to, I set up my, my own uh, asset management company. That was back before the global financial crisis in 2008 when you could do that. You could be like two guys and a dog in a garage and you could manage uh, an investment management company and a hedge fund. Today that's impossible. And uh, so I started like that, you know, and I started trading in 2007. I had a good track record. I eventually got absorbed into, into a larger group Unfortunately, that all came to a violent end uh, with the lockdowns. And uh, since then, I've been doing, uh, you know, basically same, you know, financial industry, uh, investment advisory activity, but on a completely different basis. So up until today, since 2020, I haven't managed any money for any client, but I have advised other investment managers uh, doing... uh, you know, like a sort of a turnkey portfolio solutions, where I would, where I, where I would uh, uh, conceive and de- design a portfolio management process for them, and then give them um, decision support on a daily basis, so that they manage client assets according to this uh, this model. So that's that's where I've drawn bulk of my revenue. And then the rest, you know, I I I, I write, I publish a newsletter daily, um, uh, I I do, you know, it's almost like I have a, a job and a hobby. And then you know, the hobby itself has take has been has been intruding on my life more and more because my hobby is writing, and I write, you know, I started uh, writing about trading and portfolio management and risk management and commodities and all these things. But, you know, the world is what it is. We're like slip sliding towards World War III. And I I have this thing in my head where I think all of this trading stuff is not going to matter much if we end up in a nuclear holocaust all incinerated. So that's kind of been drawing me towards writing about these, you know, uh, East-West geopolitical uh, topics.
0: Yeah. Um, it's very interesting your last point um, I, I, I share your view because it's obvious that yeah. we are being dragged towards World War 3 well I think we've been in World War 3 for a very long time but it, it has up to now been a kind of information war or a disinformation war if you like yeah. uh, rather than a, a hot war but I think that the hot war is what what they want and yes. do, you, do you share my feeling that um this isn't decide whether it's going to be goodies and baddies. It's a sign where it's going to be it's baddies versus baddies. It's it, I I don't have a dog in this fight.
1: Um, no, actually, I would push back against that a little bit, James, because I. Um, okay, so I think that the correct context in which to in which to uh, look at these things is exactly what George Soros told us uh, during one of his last speeches at the world economic forum in davos and basically what he said is that this is a a clash between two systems of governance and he characterizes it as open societies versus closed societies where you know open societies are the good guys the liberal democracies human rights blah blah all of these things and the closed societies are the bad ones the you know the autocratic regimes the tyrants and dictators of this world uh, russia china iran Belarus and so forth, and we have to kill them all, Uh, otherwise uh, nobody will be happy, right? And he is absolutely correct about uh, the fact that this is a clash between two systems of governance, and this same um, hypothesis has been repeated by numerous other, um, let's call it, um, public officials uh, in U.S. administration and NATO, but you know, this is the way the narrative is being presented to us. You know, we are the liberal democracy, and everything, everything is hunky-dory on our side. And over there, it's horrible. It's dark. It's rusty, and and uh, and uh, people, human life is cheap. And the dictators are very, very evil. But that's not the way the way things really are. Uh, what we see when we, you know, Tucker Carlson interview and his trip to Russia and his reports from Russia. Uh, I've I've done my own fact finding mission in Russia. You know, I went in two thousand fifteen for two weeks by myself, and I just kind of plumped myself in the middle of Saint Petersburg and spent the next two weeks uh, wandering about and exploring how people live there. And you know, guess what? It's it's just a normal place. Nobody's afraid of speaking out. They have, I would say, arguably more freedom of speech than we do. Uh, people are normal. People are nice. You know, they're they're courteous. Uh, there's a high level of culture there. Uh, the place looks prosperous, and then also, you know, life is uh, life is relatively cheap. As as you know, I don't know if you saw uh, Tucker p- posted um, a two minute uh, report on uh, Shopping, on X, something. Shopping, yes. Yeah. And you see, they get like they get like what they think is four hundred U.S. dollars worth of groceries, and they end up paying hundred and four dollars for it. Or hundred and eight, I forget what it is, and so uh, and and I also participated over the last two years in uh, in in two different Eurasia integration forums, uh, you know, conferences in 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 Azerbaijan and in Uzbekistan, and uh, this black and white uh, black and white technique of uh, baddies versus baddies is actually not correct, and. I'll back that up in 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 real terms. So, you know, if we, if you're going to judge somebody, judge them by their deeds. And so if we take uh, Vladimir Putin as the chief uh, uh, villain of of this world and you look at what Russia was like in 1999 when he was uh, uh, when he uh, came at the helm, and today uh, the transformation has been nothing short of spectacular because in 1999 Russia was an absolute nightmare, you know, it was one of the most corrupt countries in the world, their economy was absolutely shot, Uh, standard of living was awful, healthcare system disintegrated, the whole country practically was in the process of disintegrating, even as a nation. And he turned that around, uh, and then um, if you look at the the way standards of living have improved, the way people report whether they're happy or not happy, whether they think that their country is moving in the right direction or not. All of these statistics and aggregates look very good, and particularly what they call misery statistics, right? Um, Suicides, abortions, uh, alcohol poisonings, and murders. And so these figures were stratospheric when Vladimir Putin came to power. And so I... And and today... uh, suicides murders uh, alcohol poisonings have come down by 70 or 80 percent um, abortions have fallen by some i think i think tenfold and so you know these are it, it the the point is these are not just statistics you know you look at a chart and you see something going up or going down and it's like oh yeah well these are like millions of individual human tragedies that were happening at staggering rates uh, 24 years ago and, and, you know, like a woman after an abortion, statistically, she has sixfold risk of committing suicide. That's a horrible thing. And so today, all of that has improved. Uh, life expectancy today in Russia is uh, is higher than it had ever been in Russian history. And so, you know, Vladimir Putin is the president of Russia. That's his job. His job is to improve things in Russia. And by all by, by, by everything you can look at, he's done a spectacular job of it. Whereas, you know, if you look at the West, the goodies, the standard of living are, are coming apart. Uh, you, ha- you see uh, homeless people. I've never seen a homeless person in Russia, okay? Not a one. Uh, the West is full of homeless people. I grew up in the communist world. So I remember uh, up until uh, 1990... Uh, what it was before, like before and what it, what it is like now. And I can tell you, since we copy-pasted freedom and democracy into our constitution and our laws, uh, things have deteriorated radically. Uh, it's it's worse. So I think that it's a clash between two systems of governance where one is creating like Dickensian uh, kind of, you know, the things that were described by Charles Dickens and Upton Sinclair in the United States, and yeah. a different standard where, you know, countries of Africa, China, India, Russia, people are actually slowly rising out of poverty and towards affluence and life is improving. And so I, 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 think, it's, I, I think it's not baddies versus baddies. I think it's actually uh, colonialist, imperialist powers versus the whole rest of humanity, including their domestic populations.
0: Yeah. Okay. So look I'm I'm very sympathetic to a lot of what you say and I recognize that Russia as the the, the country in the world that has the richest national resor- natural resources I mean greater than than America greater than China I mean it's extraordinary and the, the west has always had its eyes on the prize of Russia they've always wanted to do Russia down yes. this goes back at least to the to the great game and possibly earlier on to the kind of the, 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 the trading with, with, um, with Peter the Great and, you know, the first sort of deputations from Elizabeth's court and stuff. You know, I mean, obviously the West has always sought to, to grab what it can out of Russia. Um, I get all that. And I'm 100% with you on what is happening in the West. I mean, it is... We used to look at, we used to look at San Francisco... As as the kind of the the, the West standout shop window of basket casery. um you know turds in the street, more homeless than than working people, yeah. and so on. And what a beautiful city that was,
1: uh, isn't it? weird? Years ago, it was. Oh, I I remember it was so. It was a wonderful place,
0: uh, Alex. I'm I, I too am old enough to remember um, when <laughs> San Francisco is one of my dream destinations and, exactly. and even you know even in in the bullet era where you had the the, the best then the best car chase over over up, up <laughs> and down those streets you, we, we all <laughs> wanted to go there we all wanted to yes. try that try the food and stuff and, and and yeah but and the same could be said of paris actually to a degree i mean paris oh, yeah. was oh, yeah. the very type of of romance i mean it was almost the acme of capitals wasn't it we we, if you didn't think Paris was the best city in the world there was something wrong with you for so long and now look at it would you do you want to go to Paris no 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 not
1: especially you know and then also (laughs) you know like last year I was in the UK and I was in Bath and and, and Bath made me so sad because it's such a beautiful place you walk around and it's just it's just spectacular but it's filthy and there's homeless people everywhere, and there's stuff that belongs to homeless people, uh, you know, set everywhere. And Bags. think, like, how did it come to this? I mean, how do how did we manage to go from, from prosperity, development, high level of culture, high levels of education, um, a good, prosperous society, and now look at it? And now you see these. You know, like if you look at the U.S. cities, like practically any, you know, the Skid Row, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, uh, you name it, anyway. many, many, many U.S. cities. And you see all these people uh, high on drugs or low on drugs. I don't even know what it is. I, I It makes me profoundly sad because, you know, all these people are somebody's children. Somebody must have wished them well. Somebody brought them to this world hoping that they will do well and enjoy life. And they're absolutely destroyed and it's not, you know, like all this nonsense and claptrap about how they're lazy and stupid and entitled, that's not it because you know, people are people, if you give them if you give them a stable environment and opportunities and way to you know, a way to pursue their aspirations, then they do and they do well, but the the thing is that they don't have those opportunities anymore, so what? They end up on the streets and they end up doing drugs because you know they're they're completely desperate. They're not sure they want to go on living anymore. And yeah. uh, I, you know, I think that we have to look to ourselves. We have to fix our own predicaments rather than trying to go abroad slaying dragons and uprooting evil because there's plenty of it where where we
0: are. This funnily enough, this the, the, just briefly as a digression, I'm currently rewriting the the intro to my a book i wrote about the kind of the climate change conspiracy <laughs> called watermelons and i i just i've just written a paragraph where i'd pointed out about how in the west we are encouraged to think of our our press as free and and uh, and outspoken and 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 the, the there's no censorship that that all happens in places like commie china and Authoritarian Russia, whether it's under Stalin or or, or under Putler, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I remember I, I, I was going to give an example of the time during this alleged pandemic, when you had Canada confiscating the bank, closing down the bank accounts of people supporting the truck protests. You had Australia building actual concentration camps to house people to so people who wouldn't take the vaccine and um, tear gassing protesters in the streets. And you looked at, you looked in the foreign pages of the newspapers. I mean, I, I looked in the, t- the Telegraph, for example, or, or, or on the, on the comment section for, for trenchant conservative commentators pointing out that the West had fallen and, and it, it had become totalitarian tyrannies, but it didn't. It just said, look at Putin, look at, look at Xi, look at, um, yeah. uh, uh Look at North well, Korea yeah. Uh,
1: yeah James exactly that's the thing because this has been this has been the theme throughout history you know where yeah. you know oligarchies when they push their own people to the limit and the social revolts come to the boiling point, they always scream barbarians at the gates yeah. And then what happens, you know, like you have an external enemy, they scare the livid daylights out of you that these like Russians or Chinese or or Visigoths are going to come and raid your towns and villages and rape your women and kill your children and enslave you and all of that. And then what happens, like people say like, oh my God, you know, like I'm the man, I have to go uh, defend my country. And what happens is that people in those situations, they close ranks behind their leadership, even if they hate them, and they go to war. And we just saw this in Ukraine. You know, Ukraine, you know, it's not like every last Ukrainian is a neo-Nazi. You, you know, when, when the coup happened one. in Ukraine, when the when the coup happened in Ukraine, the, the 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 far-right extremist parties got less than 2% of the vote combined. They were not popular. In 2019, uh, so that was just five years ago, Ukrainians swept Vladimir Zelensky into power because he was promising... Peace with Eastern Ukraine, re, uh, making Russian language legal again and normalizing relations with with Russia. So this is what the people wanted. Mm. This is why seventy three percent of them voted for Zelensky, and then they got the shaft. And now, uh, five years later, half a million young men in Ukraine have been killed, and many more are going to get killed because this uh, the the, the it, it's the, the distortions coming from the top and they got you know the, this uh, democratic liberal democracy political process uh, has no peop- no trouble deceiving people promising them one thing delivering exactly the other thing and you know this is this is uh, you know what happened in ukraine should be regarded as a, c- a showcase of what can happen on our sides and today in ukraine you have these uh, extremist uh, neo-nazi thugs going around the streets uh, collecting young young men uh boys like 16 17 year olds uh 60 year olds to shove them into the into the trenches uh, on the on the eastern front and they collect i don't know something like 300 dollars per head that they deliver to the army you know? do they and, yeah, yeah 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 that's what i heard it's this is not from a reliable source but this is what i heard and i kind of tend to believe it because um, there's enough desperation that that, they're, that that they might be doing it, and usually, you know, it turns out that usually there is some kind of an incentive process that makes people do such awful thing. Because basically, when you when you shove them into the trenches in the Eastern Front, that's basically a death sentence. They're by, dying by like a thousand a day.
0: Oh, it's it's so upsetting. Did you see that there was a photograph I saw today of these Ukrainian boys, and they were only boys lined up. Um, in military in them army uniforms and they all look so sad they're going to be sent off to die um, yes. it reminds me of those of the latter stages of, of the second world war when when sort of 14 year olds in germany were, were drafted to man the aircraft anti-aircraft yes. batteries yes. and when the, the Volkssturm, the the old men were, 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 were sent out to just die against against american tanks and stuff it's yeah it's barbaric and you're right this could soon be happening to the this... children of americans of, of, of british and western no europe absolutely sorry uh, th- there was no reason for this to happen and yet this is was... no
1: no no there's no reason for this to happen and you know like uh, in the same way that ukrainians were overwhelmingly against war but they ended up fighting it anyway, and now they're 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 like squeezing every last Ukrainian to throw them to the front. This could happen to us. It's already started. You know the leaderships of uh, Sweden and Poland and Finland and Germany and the UK. They're all talking about going to war against Russia, and they're all talking about uh, conscription. And so we can start a little bit like this, and you figure, ah, yeah, you know, like I'm I'm 54 years old. I'm not really in danger. Well, my boys are are going to be 18 years old in, in a few years. Uh, I don't really want somebody collecting three hundred dollars per per boy that they collect and, and shove into front because it could be my boys. And when you look, what happens uh, when what what you know like when you when you see in Ukraine these these massive graves full of Ukraine flags as far as the eye can see, thousands upon thousands of graves of young men who were sacrificed for what exactly? It's kind of hard to work it out. Is it?
0: Well, is it freedom more. and
1: democracy is that is that what they were sacrificed for? I don't I don't know quite, but you know, nevertheless, they're dead now, and their parents will never see them again. And a whole nation was. And you know, like if we don't push back against this, this exact same machine is going to start sacrificing us, because they are after the, those seventy-five trillion dollars of Russian resources, because yeah. you know that's collateral, and our financial systems are dying to turn that collateral into the financial flows that can enrich our financial oligarchy this has been going on for 2000 years for more than 2000 years and i i, I we, we have no choice but you know uh, lord acton uh, the theme that swept across the centuries and is going to have to be fought sooner or later is people versus the banks that's now
0: yeah well we we'll come to that that in a minute i just But to make a couple more points that I looked at my wife's newspaper today, because obviously I don't read that rubbish myself. And do you know what today's story was on the front page of the Telegraph? No. Apparently, uh, US intelligence sources are worried that the Russians might be uh, putting nuclear weapons in space and attacking us from space. I mean, I don't. Does anyone believe this shit? It, do they... Is that... Do... Um, I'm not sure if they're
1: going to be doing nukes. Maybe they're going to put lasers in space.
0: The death <laughs> lasers, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but, Evil okay, uh, James, I, I don't know whether that report is true or not. Um, conceivably, you it's not, Nukes aren't
0: be. real, Alex. I don't even believe in nukes. So that's where I am on that one.
1: Well, I don't know, but let's say... Uh, you know uh russia okay so here's here's where the things went off the of the rails uh russia had a nuclear deterrent yeah and the deterrent was that if anybody ever uh invaded russia or uh, struck russia with nuclear weapons there would be an instant automatic um retaliation strike practically everything with already targets determined you know uh, whatever brussels uh Washington, uh, whatever they have, they have their list of targets. Yeah. So that was the deterrent to prevent to preempt any uh, invasion or attack with nuclear weapons. Now, when the United States first bailed out of the uh, anti-ballistic treaty uh, in 2002, and then in 2017, no, in 2019, uh, they canceled the uh, intermediate, sh- uh, short intermediate range. Um, uh, missile uh, treaty, INFT treaty, um, the United States started installing these uh, missile defense sites in, uh, first in Romania and then in Poland. And so the whole point of these, uh, these missiles is that they brought uh, potentially offensive weapons within uh, six, seven minutes from Russia and when they started to uh, develop a, a covert, secret project to do the same in Ukraine, meaning um, either in the region of Chernobyl or in the region of Kharkov, now they're within three minutes from Russia. Okay, so nuclear weapons from um, from Kharkov or Chernobyl could reach Moscow within uh, less in less than five minutes, possibly three minutes. This does not allow Russia enough time to mount a counterattack. So they're all at once, they have lost their deterrent, right? And so the danger was yeah. that the West launches through Ukraine a decapitation strike against Russia, meaning they, they hit all of their command and control centers. They hit their nuclear uh, weapons facilities because they know exactly where they are, because with the INFT treaty, they had mutual inspections and verifications, so they know exactly where they have to strike. And that would disable Russia from mounting counterattack and from mounting a national defense in case there was a there was a, an actual invasion. And it's not like ne- they've never been invaded from the west before. You know, it's happened uh, at least three times, possibly four. Um, and so, if if Russians decided to put nukes into space, um, I would understand why, because they need to have the deterrent, right?
0: Sure, and so by the way, uh, no, I, 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 get that. I if 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 um it went all weird a moment ago. My my, my internet was was I don't know whether whether my face disappeared or what. But while you were talking, but anyway, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah I mean, it no, did, I, it did, it did. Good, but you carried on manfully. That was good. What, but okay, I did. So, so you could hear I, me, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I could hear the like. I got the, the middle. I got the, you know. I knew what you were saying. Um, so um, let me play devil's advocate here because i'm i'm really in tune as a i might say many people watching this are going to feel the same way we look at russia from the decaying west and we see that contrary contrary to the predictions of all the economics experts in all the newspapers the russian economy has been thriving uh, you're absolutely right that that, that 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 the sort of social dec- decay in Russia. Well, it's not even socially decaying. It seems to be actually sort of enjoying a kind of moral revival. That sort of Christian yeah. values, family values are being restored, and they're being completely, they're horrifically eroded in the, in the West. So I get all that, and people look at look at Putin and they think. He's a strong leader, and he may may have you know he may have his problems. But look, he 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 he's proud of Russian history. Um, he's he, he's a hard man, but he, but he but he looks after his people. I I I get all this. I get all this. But when let me let me propose a kind of more complex complicated narrative, um, which is that there are really no good guys in this. That and it's not just about. I mean, okay, so you've got Navalny dying today. I don't. I don't know what, what how much responsibility Putin bears for that, but I can't imagine his hands are completely clean. Um, you know, he's not. A, he's not a lovable guy, is he? He's not a. He's not a. He's not. Um...
1: I. I don't know, James, honestly, because I have. You know, um, five six years ago, in two thousand seventeen, I pu- published the book Grand Deception. It's mm-hmm. about the relationship between Russia and the West. Uh, the book was immediately banned. Five weeks after it came out, it was banned, and then it That's was a republished uh, a year later, more or less, and it was bu- banned again six years, uh, six weeks after it was published. So something there uh, rubbed our freedom and democracy-loving establishment to
0: uh, make it disappear. How, did they, how the- did they ban it? Before we go on. Sorry. How was it banned? How did they oh, suppress it? Oh, it?
1: so I, I self-published on Amazon, right? And uh, uh, a letter arrived to Amazon from a man named Jonathan Weiner. And Jonathan Weiner is the, the primordial uh, swamp creature from the deep state. He's uh, he was under Obama administration. He he was uh, he worked as a policy advisor to John Kerry when he was a Secretary of State.
0: That's a good so, pedigree uh, of slime.
1: Uh, they just wrote a letter to Amazon, and Amazon cancelled me. No questions asked. But uh, part of the part of the research I've done, because I first looked at the uh, you know, like I, I I looked at the way Russia has transformed under Putin. So I, I wrote one chapter is his the scorecard of seventeen years of his uh, management of Russia. But you know, when when two thousand fourteen happened and there was the coup in 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 Ukraine. The 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 Putin demonization hysteria went into an overdrive, mm. and you practically cannot find any redeeming story about Putin in the West. It's all bad. He's evil. He's awful. And so I I kind of thought like, well, it can't be like that, you know. It, he can't not have one redeeming uh, quality to to him. I mean, the the Russians like him. And, you know, Russians, uh, whatever people might think, but they're just like us. You know, they're normal people. They're human beings. And they're a society uh, with certain Christian values. And so if they like and approve of their president, there's got to be something good about him. And okay. then I went and I started digging a little bit. And I started, uh, you know, watching documentaries about him, which are mostly un- un- unflattering, but some are flattering. I watched a lot of his speeches. I read his articles and opeds, and... I also started looking up people who who actually knew him personally, you know, people who worked with him or knew him from school and so forth. And I have to say that the portrait of the man that emerges from all that research that I did is actually diametrically opposite from the one that is being painted for us by the Western media. So I know it comes very difficult to believe, and it was very difficult uh, for me to believe it as well because I tend to think of politicians as no good people, you know. Uh, politics mm. and power attracts exactly the wrong kind of people. So it was very easy to, for me to believe that Vladimir Putin was a hard man, that he was corrupt, that he was, um, um, I shouldn't say evil, but, uh, you know, um, maybe maybe uh, unscrupulous in a way. Uh, actually, I didn't find any evidence of that whatsoever. In fact, I found a lot of evidence that he is in fact not corrupt. That there isn't a single uh, credible case—I mean, not even any kind of a case—where somebody said, "Ah, yeah, he was taking bribes." Um, and and you know, the evidence about his great wealth, which is estimated anywhere between four and four hundred billion dollars, it's, it's—I looked into that as well. It's there's absolutely nothing behind it. It's it's people like Bill Browder who is the go-to expert about Putin's corruption and wealth. And if you look at Bill Browder's narrative when he when he gets invited to CNBC and elsewhere to testify about Putin's corruption and wealth, he's talking complete nonsense. It's it's. Yes. I mean, He actually wrote. Sorry. No, I, I mean. Look, he, I, he, I, come on. Yeah, he you know he actually wrote in his book Red Notice how he knows about Putin's wealth, and it's 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 actually an insult to anybody's intelligence. Because he said, oh, here's how it happened. First, he put uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky in prison. And then all the other oligarchs came to him and said, like, oh, Vladimir, please, how can we make sure not to end up in prison like Mikhail Khodorkovsky? And then Putin said 50%. Percent. Give me 50% of everything you have. And then in the next sentence, Bill Browder says that, oh, it could have been 70% or 30%. I don't know because I wasn't there. In other words, he the whole, the whole construct, he pulled it out of his back end. Yes. And there's nothing to it. And this is... The story for which they invite him to all the Western networks to to to, to tell them how how corrupt Vladimir Putin is—he doesn't know anything at all.
0: Okay, no, I again, I, I I'm 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 with you on on Bill Browder. I think look an awful lot inevitably anything you read in the mainstream media, anything you hear from designated Western Russian experts is by definition <laughs> going to be propaganda it's going to be deep state propaganda it's going to yes, originate exactly. in the deep state the people the people the victoria newland types who who pushed the war in ukraine who effectively started the war in ukraine by provoking russia until I, I'm, I'm i'm completely on board with that um i'm about to make a comparison which i which i absolutely hate making um because i think it's it's it's, it's misleading um and it's what the west does all the time the western media does all the time but if you looked at Hitler in the sort of the mid 1930s you would be able to make the same case that you 're now making for, for for putin he is he is rebuilding the country um, it is it, 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 its sense of national pride has been restored after a period of absolute abject chaos um, he is popular um, he is charismatic he is not the not the figure that he's been represented as being and and that would be true as it is with putin but what I'm saying is not is not that Putin's um, bad qualities have been exaggerated for effect, because I'm sure that is true. What I'm saying is that these people ultimately are not the ones pulling the strings. The reason that 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 that, that for example, Hitler was doing well in the 1930s it was because international capital, particularly the uh, the the um, the, the the banks in 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 the US and and of course Montague Norman in in the Bank of England who was deeply corrupt and you know part of this kind of part of the war machine they yeah. were fueling the nazis nazis in order to create world war 2 that's yes. what they wanted that was the deal yes. in the same way although i'm really sympathetic to loads of you know and it's great that tucker's gone out to 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 show us the truth you know what purports to be the truth to, Tucker's probably some kind of CIA asset. There is, there is something going on here whereby this red meat is being sold to people like you and me. Look at this alternative. We're all going, yeah, wouldn't it be great having this leader? Yeah, they've got Christian values. Yeah, they've got family values. We want some of that. When actually we're being played every which way because ultimately Putin is still pushing Agenda 2030. He's still, he's still got the same kind of sustainability goals, you know, the, all those those New World Order things that are represented by Klaus Schwab and, and, and all the people we hate. Um, he was still pushing. He's, he, he's never said that there wasn't a pandemic. He's never said it was fake. Ah, he, okay. I'll get and, to and that. Yeah. He, he was pushing he was pushing the, the the vaccines as much as anybody. Yes. I'm saying yes. on the big picture stuff, where is the difference? He's not really our savior. He seems to be from where we are, we awake people, but he's not really.
1: Okay, so uh, let's go to the vaccine issue because this one I find very fascinating and I you know, I was myself very very taken aback by the way uh, Russia dealt with the pandemic because Okay, so you had Alexander Lukashenko in Belarus who came out open and openly said that this is all nonsense. We're not doing this. Yeah, you know. So they had some measures, but just barely. Who thought Belarus uh, you know, I know would, that... be
0: the, would be the the free place of the world in in 19... yes
1: exactly, <laughs> in 20... exactly And so you know, I know that Russian intelligence and Belarus intelligence they talk, they share the information. Yeah. So if 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 Lukashenko knew it, there's no way that Putin didn't know it. No. So why did they go along with it? So uh, so thoroughly and so uh, um, uh, uh, they, they 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 look like any other country, and I worked it out when they came out with the uh, with the Sputnik Five uh, vaccine. And I'll explain this to you. He may have he may have saved us from something much much worse. Here's why. So uh, when the when the whole thing started, uh, I was one of those people who thought from day zero that the whole thing was a hoax. Right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, well, it was. I just did. You just did. And, uh, it's true. And but. I, I thought that what's going to happen is that we're going to have uh, vaccines, and then after vaccines, they're going to introduce vaccine passports, and after vaccine passports, they're going to try to uh, use that technology to tack it onto a, a you, you know, your digital ID, uh, government services, your bank account, your internet, your electricity, everything, right? And then we would have this thing that we would have to get used to where everything is by permit. You know, you can spend your money if, if you, if you're compliant, you can have internet if you're compliant, if you can have electricity, if you're compliant. And so, uh, the reason, the reason why they're doing this w- was obvious. They wanted to contr- have control over the whole world at individual levels. So they could, they could harass every person individually through their, you know, AI algorithms or whatever they had in mind. Now, uh, it's it's very clear from their various uh, white papers and statements of people like George Soros and uh, Bill Gates and so forth that they fully expected to have a monopoly on the vaccines. So it was um, uh, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, uh, Johnson & Johnson, and I don't know if there's something else, uh, Sanofi, yeah, Sanofi, uh, the French company. And so they expected that their Western uh, big pharma corporations would have a monopoly on vaccinated 7 billion people in the world now what that means is that their vaccine certificates would be the requirements for you to get your uh, qr code your 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 vaccine passport and then uh, you know that's 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 part of it the bigger more important part of it that they were they were planning a um and uh, an electronic and information uh, infrastructure where all of this data would be processed. So every time you get your QR code scanned, it goes somewhere. It says go, no go. You you may pass or you may not pass. Okay. Uh, now if if it's all their vaccines and their certificate, they control everything, right? Well, now the Russians came out first with Sputnik five and they said to all the countries in the world you can you can buy Sputnik 5 from us 10 a, uh 10 a dose or if you want to produce it yourself we'll give you a license low cost and so many countries in the global south did that what does that mean now well now that means that either these globalists have to allow the russians to uh, uh to control uh, also to be to participate in this global um information matrix and they have to allow sputnik 5 certificates to be legitimate uh, uh how do you call it to 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 allow you to be compliant with this or they would have to give up control of every nation that uh, adopted sputnik 5. and so uh it was the russians offered to to have sputnik 5 uh, approved for the whole world as a legitimate vaccine the Western powers rejected it. So that means that they couldn't allow Russians to be part of the matrix, right? And so they had to give up on the, the whole... The Russians blew up the whole agenda, okay? okay. And I, I had a confirmation that this was the case. Well, confirmation, like a corroboration, because I watched an interview with a, with a, with a Russian general, military general, on Russian TV, and uh, when the interviewer asked him, asked him about the COVID, about the pandemic, uh, the guy gave it away. He said like, oh, no, no, no. You know, like we didn't, we didn't look at this as a, as a public health issue. This was a geopolitical play. That's how we played it.
0: Okay. So, yeah. I, I, I get that. And that's fascinating. Um, I, okay, two questions. I'd be more impressed if you could demonstrate to me that all the Sputnik shots were placebos that there was there was nothing in them that it was inert
1: i i don't think they were i don't no, think well, they that's were. the problem
0: so they so yeah so, so that's that's pretty bad alex because we know well, about the damage done to people by yeah, this but apparently
1: apparently james and i don't i don't know this for sure but apparently this was a a, a, a traditional vector uh, vaccine it was not mrna technology okay now I
0: I say this it's still rushed out on, shit though, wasn't it?
1: Oh well, <laughs> I mean, you know I I am sorry you're talking to an anti-vaxxer, okay? Yeah. But you know if uh, people in the West are not stupid, you can't you can't give them a placebo. Uh, you know there would be people who would verify that this is actually vaccine. So you have to go along with the game very seriously if you're going to get a legitimate uh, acceptance, right? So you know that's why Russia had to play this thing completely, do the social distancing and the mask. They had to follow the. World Health Organization, everything, and they had to have a legitimate vaccine, like a real pharmaceutical product, because if it wasn't, uh, when they when they brought the their vaccine to the World Health Organization, they would have said like, "But well, this is nothing. This is saline solution. You're 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 joking, right?" And they would have rejected it right out of hand. So it had to be like a real vaccine. Did now, MRN? These COVID vaccines are there's all kinds of problems. So I. You know, like you're, you're talking to a 100% complete anti-vaxxer have been for, for the last 15 years. So I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, inject anything into myself, not the Russian, not the Chinese, not any. Yeah. But, you know, to play this game, you had to play it for real. You couldn't come with the blanks.
0: OK. Um, and d- d- just you say nobody did any countries in the world take up Russia on their offer?
1: Oh yes, many, many. I, I I don't know how many exactly, but uh, you know, I know that uh, Hungary did, Serbia did, um, many many African countries, South American countries. Um, uh, I I don't unfortunately you know, don't know exactly how su- many, survival. but many many.
0: You, you don't know about the relative yes, injury rates. I don't rates know this.
1: Or... I don't know this, but you know, I did notice that there are very many videos of athletes falling down on the on the in, on the pitch in Russia. Uh, in, from Russia. You know, it's mostly what, been in what the West.
0: They play in Russia though. Ice hockey, I suppose. Um and <laughs> what
1: well, yeah, you know, football, ice that hockey, basketball is big in Russia. And I didn't I I don't I saw one Russian athlete collapse on the pitch. I don't know if it was in Russia, but you know, it's also true that there are there were many Russians who went to um who went to to the West, who traveled to the West to um to take a Pfizer vaccine because they thought that Russian vaccine was crap and that the Western stuff is awesome. And I know some of them personally.
0: Sorry, I lost you there, Alex. Um, Ah, okay. I'm sure you're uh, dripping words of gold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you, uh, you, where did you lose me? At what point did I break out?
0: Well, you were just talking ab- about. I- I'd asked you whether the, the countries that are, that had taken the, the 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 jab, and also whether we had any figures on the relative um, damage done. You know, with the, the the Russian vaccine compared with the other so ones. So shall
1: I shall I go
0: over that again? No. Well, well, we'll probably. Um, it's retrieve your side will be recorded. That's the thing. So you'll just have pictures of me going <laughs> as I as I try and. As I, as I try, <laughs> try and get my internet back. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what, can I ask you another question, which is, why doesn't, okay. I, I mean, I'm tempted by your, your thesis, obviously, because it, 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 it's, it's seductive. But at the same time, I'm thinking all the, all the world leaders are ultimately working for the new world order and and for for example what would have been to stop if he were really you know the 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 voice of freedom and truth and stuff what would have been that to stop him saying this niet this this whole ah. pandemic is bollocks and yeah. i'm not playing that game yes. it's lies it was invented by mm.
1: yes that's a good question and here's how i would answer it, james um I think that first of all, uh, they, the Russians, the Chinese, um, other countries, they knew something was coming up because you know the West has been playing this pandemic game since the early two thousand. You know we had SARS and MERS and Zika and uh, bird flu and the swine flu and uh, you know it's been it's been like every 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 other year there was another scare.
0: Well, don't forget so- nineteen nineteen.
1: Yeah, been I, no, I don't know what that. happened in 1919 because I don't believe what I thought I knew about it. Because what I knew about it is big back when I believed that history was written truthfully. Now I don't anymore.
0: Sorry. No, I'm sure that I'm sure that 1919 was 1918-19 was a dry run for for the. Yeah, 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 It may
1: it, it may well have been. Yes, absolutely. Vaccination and killed so, those
0: people in the hospital. You know,
1: I'm sure that they knew it was coming. Uh, well, first of all, if it's real, you know, supposing it's real like there's really some kind of a pathogen you can't really be sure you can't just say like no no this is all bullshit we're not doing it and then it turns out people start dying you know then then it's all on
0: you then it's all on you now that, that come you know on. what i mean no no i'm no. not buying that one come on and yeah but the, the, you know the russians know that man the, the the moon landings were fake don't they i mean they they know loads of stuff that 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 they they know that maybe, the whole of the West is a psyop.
1: Maybe maybe, but you know, like we're we're guessing about we're guessing about their motivations, and I I kind of have to allow for the possibility that they because you know uh, Chinese have acted also very strangely with regards to this uh, to these pandemics, and there are there are definitely people in Chinese uh, leadership and their um, you know military who l- really believe that the West is developing um uh biological warfare that can that can target a certain genotype you know that can target, target a certain ethnicity they're genuinely worried about this uh, so i don't know like let, okay so let's say we can be agnostic but let's allow for the possibility that this is true but i think that the more important reason why they would play this way is because they have to be credible because the whole world is watching and regardless of whether the Russians believe it or not, most of the people in the world do believe it. So most of the people in the world, if you were if you were being reckless, if you were yeah. being, you know, uh, unrigorous un about this, they might say that, oh, you're putting us all in danger and this man can't be taken seriously and Russia is a rogue state. They're going to cost us all our lives and so forth. So I think there's, you know, like there's there's a number of reasons why you would want to... Play the game in a, in a rigorous way and remain perceived as a as a serious player, as somebody who has taken this whole thing seriously, and who is acting uh, responsibly. Or, you know, because we're all in this together, so you know we have to take care of one another.
0: Okay, Alex, I, I can't I can't remember how far down the rabbit hole you are I mean I suspect that I'm I'm you're, you're pretty far down but I think I'm probably <laughs> even more even more cynical than you are and I let me let me paraphrase a, a recent piece by my friend um Miri Finch she has got a great substack I highly recommend it I mean it's really you know she takes no prisoners but she she made the point about Tucker Carlson. And and by the way, I love Tucker Carlson. I find I, I love his preppiness. I love the fact that yeah. he's so incredibly rich, he doesn't yes. need to work. Yes. I love I I love all that. I love his I love his expressions, his his aghast expression, uh when he's I really can't believe that this person is talking such shit to me. I love all that. Uh I thought that I thought the interview with, with Putin was a bit a bit boring. I mean I you know, I'm not sure I wanted a half hour history lesson, um and and yes. but, but be that as, as it may, as it may. I, I, I believe that Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones, Russell Brand, all these all these figures that are being sold to us as the alternative truth that the uh, the truth that the, the mainstream media dare not show you, they are all part of the deception. We're, we're being lined up at the moment for the return of Donald Trump you know donald trump who has been suppressed by the evil this this corrupt system and he's about to restore justice and it's going to be great i think trump is probably the antichrist i i, I, I think certainly all these people that are be, being presented to us as the kind of the alternative hope are part of the de- the deception they're going to be the kind of the lucifer the luciferian uh, ying to the yan of the sort of satanist sort of biden biden etc i think that putin is part of that false light thing that yeah he's he's sexy he's virile you know, i mean okay so he he may be involved in bumping off people occasionally now and then He's he's not you know he's not perfect but he's clearly he's clearly the future but if you look at this in terms of our dark overlords who've been been Planning this out over centuries. You look at Albert Pike and stuff and his various predictions of, you know, the First World First World War, the Second World War, and the Third World War. That we are being set up for something that's been planned for centuries, which is the replacement of the the Anglosphere hegemony, the Western hegemony, with a new virile East. But ultimately, we're going to be slaves either way. You know, we're just going to be slaves of the new system instead of the old system. And it's being sold to us in a sexy way by a man who poses on horseback with his chest bare.
1: Okay. So I'll tell you why I don't believe that. And the reason is history because, uh, you know, the, the banking oligarchies, and it's always been banking oligarchies, you know, it's a, uh, since, uh, since I think about the sixth century BC in Greece, and up until today, it's always been the banking oligarchies. You know, Venice, the Lombard banking system, yeah, uh, all the empire, Spanish empire was was driven by the bankers. Uh, the British Empire, the current American quote unquote empire, and so forth. It's always the banking oligarchies that on, that that are on top of the heap of the you know command and control hierarchy. And uh, you know they've been they've been uh, very keen on uh, creating this. Uh, society in which they hold absolute power and everybody else is enslaved and everybody only gets to live by their by their permission, mm. and they have always failed and there's always been resistance to this, and resistance often came from the privileged classes. You know, the the resistance wasn't offered the, often always the poor peasants. You know, if you go back to to history and you have the um, the, the the Gracchi brothers and the uh, Catiline and uh, Julius Caesars, Julius Caesar. They were they were all from very wealthy patrician families. Nevertheless, they were not going along with the oligarchy, and I think that the same is going to be. And and anyway, you know, in the end, oligarchy always tried and always failed. They've been failing for two thousand years, and they create mayhem and 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 they they create misery uh, uh, in the process. But they always fail. They're their uh, their whole construct always crumbles in the end, uh, and so I I don't think we should exclude the possibility that there is genuine resistance, not just controlled opposition, but genuine opposition, and that uh, Trump might be it. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. Um, Vladimir Putin might be it. I think the danger of succumbing to these um, defeatist and 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 uh, doom how do you call it? Doomy? Doomist?
0: Um, uh, yeah. Doom mongering, I suppose. Yeah. Doom mongering
1: yeah. beliefs is, I, I think there's more danger in that than in anything else, because if people embrace these beliefs, then the implication is that all resistance is futile. And if all resistance is futile, then you know what happens next? Learned, uh, learned helplessness. And through learned helplessness, we doom our children. They're going to be slaves. Uh, we just have to believe in God, believe in humanity, and we have to uh, do our best to make sure that our children don't end up like young Ukrainians because that's what's coming our way. And so that's why I would, you know, I would embrace these beliefs if somebody could persuade me with evidence rather than with uh, conjecture and extrapolation and I'm...
0: Um, un- unprovable that's all we've got though come on I mean at that level Alex all all you're ever going to get is unprovable conjecture and
1: extrapolation can go uh, two different ways sure so uh, you know I will I will embrace the one that makes me want to fight and resist and not comply because the other one is like what the hell let's just shoot ourselves all in the face right now because what's the point
0: I listen I'm always sympathetic to a, a bit of hopium (laughs) <laughs> because I mean uh, I would I would have
1: to I would have to apply some peer pressure on you have more have more <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> I, I,
0: I've, I've been quite low on Hopium at the moment I mean I have I have been going through I have to say uh, spe- especially with some of my last podcast guests um, a bit of revelation um we are really living in end times and only god's going to sort this which, which i think actually is probably well
1: true. yeah but you know what do end times mean and end times never mean uh, the end of life on earth or the end of humanity and no, one hundred forty-four thousand get saved the end of, of yeah it. the end of a system and and yeah in that case i do agree this we, we are coming to the end of this system but something will replace it and i think that when the system ends we have also an opportunity to shape the 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 things t- to come, you know, and I think that this, what our conversation now is part of it because we have to think about who we are and what we want, you know, uh, do we want to be slaves or do we want to be free? And if we're free, what do we want to do with our lives? What do we want? Do we want all the drive Ferraris or do we want more meaningful time with our friends and family uh, and so so on and so forth? So I think that we have to, you know, there has to be some introspection and some, uh, analysis and research to understand the issues, and uh, to share that understanding with others to discuss, um, to probably um, connect with people locally. You know, uh, to to cultivate our local communities because there's enormous power in that. You know, there's enormous power in people just talking to one another and. You know, just knowing what your neighbors are, who who they are, what they're capable of, how they can help you, how you can help them, you know, you're already gaining a great deal of resilience, and you can see that this is exactly what the authorities don't want us to do. Because try to try to organize a a, a local conference of local people, just law-abiding people coming together to talk, you'll see that the governments are going to go out of their way to try to prevent the, the gathering from happening.
0: Uh, well, I, I've got to ask you because of your your, your peculiar circumstances living. I mean, you must hang out with, with people at, at the sort of, at least the upper tiers. Um, do, do you get the, the the vibe that they're waking up to what's going on? Is the,
1: I I don't hang out with upper tiers. I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic. So I spend most, you know, uh, I'm between, between eating, sleeping, working and raising my kids and then occasionally I do. Most of my friends around Monaco are millionaires, and I do occasionally hang out with them. You know, I don't I don't go party every day, but you know, an occasional lunch or or, or, or a refreshment in the evening. And I think that the appeteers are in a very peculiar position because, sadly, you know, while they have means, while, while they have means, they're also deathly afraid of losing their means. Yeah. So they're deathly afraid of exposing this themselves to something that might turn when when the, something that might turn out controversial. So I'll, I'll give you an example. There was uh, when the when the uh, when the pandemic started, uh, and they they started the lockdowns, and then the schools only started next September. So the lockdowns came in March. The schools were out, and they only started in September. When the school started in September, I saw that you know we realized that their kids are going to have to wear masks, and I was also afraid that they're going to force vaccinate them, you know. And so I tried to organize people to 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 put up some resistance. And so I I, I did a, an email to all of my local contacts. And I said, let's get together. This is not a time to prevaricate and hedge. This is a time to put up a resistance because our children are going to be suffering for this and maybe get damaged, Uh, their health will be damaged. And I know for sure that some of the people on that list agreed with me, but not a single one of them turned up. Not a one. Many people did turn up, but from other groups. Of my contacts, of all these, uh, you know, appetiers, not a single one. I was, I was actually very disappointed because I felt like, you, you, you fucker, can I cuss?
0: Yeah, well, you just did.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're so afraid of you, of losing your wealth that you're just gonna let your child walk into a, a, a lion den. You're not gonna stand up for the, for your child. So that was, uh, that was, yeah, that's, that's the problem with the appeteers. Many of them get it. But they they fear they fear the stigma, they feel fear sanctions, they fear losing their business. You know, many of them are in the in the in the finance industry and they're you know, they might lose their investors or they Oops. might get their accounts blocked or whatnot. And so better let the kids wear the mask and get the vaccines than losing your money.
0: Well unfortunately. That's why it says in Matthew six lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust d- 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 corrupt and th- th- thieves break through and steal i mean yes, that's that's exactly. the problem exactly
1: and it took me it took me to pandemic to realize what they meant by that yeah
0: yeah i mean there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom a lot of wisdom in in, yes. in that book i, yes. I, I and absolutely y- you make the point well that that once people are ensnared by the beast system yeah it's it's got them hasn't it it's very yeah. hard to
1: I, yeah it is it is and i know this because i was ensnared also but uh it the beast spit me out and uh, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise
0: you do look quite healthy actually alex i have to say
1: well thank you very much i i, I eat only organic food you don't you don't get to look like this at the age of 80 uh, by uh, eating junk food
0: you're not you're never 80 Alex no I mean you don't look over 75 but
1: yeah you know I I I actually uh, I actually live a very clean life I don't I don't drink any alcohol I don't do any drugs Uh, I I try to eat healthy I try to exercise on a regular basis so you know uh, we're getting to the age where the machine is starting to get tired and you have to you have to put some effort into the maintenance
0: what are you going to do when it all kicks off? And I mean, I can't imagine everyone's got a, a, an allotment in um, in Monaco. <laughs> Nobody can grow their own food, can they?
1: No, 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 no. It's apartments. I, I think there yeah, you, you might have a little bit of a rooftop garden or a tiny little garden in front, but not nothing. No, what's well? There's a lot of there's a lot of um, many people have properties or rentals in the surrounding areas and the many, I know, I know people who bring food uh, in, you know, those crates where they put whatever is fresh that week and they bring you like a, like a big, big uh, box of, of produce. Yeah. So you can, you can do that. You can have weekly deliveries of locally produced organic produce. Oh, nice. And I used to do that. I used to do that except that the guy was cheating was cheating because sometimes he would forget to to take off the sticker from the apples and sometimes he'd bring me like a beautiful perfect orange in may and i thought dude you didn't grow this yourself you're a cheat (laughs) so i i quit i quit paying him
0: um by the way sorry this is completely relevant to anything else we've been discussing but do you speak russian
1: no, I I speak a tiny little bit because I I I spent 2 weeks in a full immersion intensive course so I learned a little bit and I learned uh, that Russian is very similar to Croatian which is my mother tongue. And so I I understand it a bit more than I speak but I would need probably another another 6 weeks in a in, a, in an intensive course to learn it. I so I I would say on a scale of 1 to 10 I'm about between 2 and 3.
0: I've just started learning Russian on the Duolingo oh, course, and I wanted to test my Russian on you. Okay, what am I saying? Gdier Nasha Koshka.
1: Nasha Koshka is 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 our chicken, but what? Does... No, it's not.
0: It's a cat.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as far as I understand it, Gdier Nasha Koshka means "Where is our cat?" Oh, Okay, Gdier,
1: okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah is excellent it's just that your pronunciation is crap that's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't um, help it
0: I've got to ask you before we go Alex what where what's happening in the markets in the commodities I we mean, I, I see gold sort of hovering between uh well it's it, it's, it's had a bull run in the net and then it's retreated a bit and it's going and people are talking excitedly about silver what's
1: uh, at the moment, nothing much is happening. The only market that had a, well, a, a few markets had meaningful moves, uh, but it was mostly soft commodities, things like cocoa, frozen orange juice, uh, coffee a little bit. Uh, for the rest, everything is kind of in a, in a holding pattern. You know, it goes a little bit up, a little bit down. There hasn't been any significant trends, but that's uh, that's kind of normal. You know, that's how it goes. You know, markets go through very strong trends and then they go through long periods of, you know, corrections, consolidations. Uh, okay, so from, from, so I, I'm a, I'm a trend follower by conviction and by profession, and uh, I I know many other trend followers. And the the belief among us is that markets tend to trend about one third of the time, and they have they tend to consolidate about two thirds of the time. And that's ballpark. That's going to be about correct. And I think that uh, you know we had a. We had a very strong uh, price trends in, in, in gold and silver and crude oil and copper and, and palladium uh, a few years ago, 2021-2022. Uh, and now we're in a, you know, we had a big correction in 2023 and now it's just kind of, so nothing's going on. But I think that the, uh, we are probably in the, in the early innings of the, of the commodity super cycle which might span anything between 10 and 25 years. And I think that gradually we're going to see a very strong uh, price events in, in the commodities markets, uh, not overnight, but they're probably going to. Okay, to give you an example, last time we had a a, a strong inflation episode in, in, in the United States, in the West, was the 1970s, Yeah. And it was gradual. It spanned about uh, 10 to 15 years before it unraveled. And uh, gold went from $35 an ounce in 1970 or 71, and it reached $850 in 1980. So it, it appreciated 24-fold. And I think that silver appreciated closer to 50-fold. So I, I think that those events are ahead of us. I think that we might have very strong appreciation in precious metals and energy. And I think that the food uh, agricultural commodities are gonna follow suit as well. But it's not, you know, nobody should take this as investment advice, like they should run out and start buying uh, commodities. Yeah, because, you know, things happen unpredictably and in spurts uh, that you can't tell when it's gonna start, when it's gonna end, how high it's gonna go, how long it's gonna last. So I would you know if 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 I should give any piece of advice to people I would say to accumulate a little bit of physical gold and silver just in case you know diversify yeah. your your holdings if you possibly can to own a small plot of land where you can maybe have chickens or grow some vegetables and or or an orchard and uh, most importantly probably is to reach out to your neighbors, uh, organize community events, even small ones. If, when, when things come to a grinding halt, uh, people will get enormous resilience just by knowing which one of your neighbors might help you set up uh, a local area network. Who knows how to fix teeth? Who knows how to fix roofs? Who knows how to fix cars? Who can grow a little bit of food? Who knows how to cook? Who can help the elderly? Who can help the children? And so that is that resilience will help people get through any crisis. If we're all just isolated in our pods between the you know the driver and driveway and the office and Starbucks, we are screwed and we're in a lot of danger. So you know that would be my
0: probably number one piece of advice for anybody. That's good. That's much better than any financial advice. I agree. Yeah. Good. Well thank you so much Alex oh, it's always always a great pleasure uh, no it's been, a- it's
1: been a while I, I thought I thought you I thought it was something I said the last time that you didn't have me for such a long time Do you know
0: what <laughs> I my instant reaction uh, even even as I was talking to you last time was I love this guy I must I tell you what I like about you is that you uh, how can I put this well you like me in a way that you 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 say exactly how it is. You don't you don't try and second guess anything. You don't try and
1: yeah uh, yeah. Thank you thank you. That that that's actually true. And I think that I have I'm very uh, fortunate in that I'm not beholden to any interest. You know, like I'm not a professor uh, at a university. Or I don't work for any bank or hedge fund firm. I'm I, I've become independent over the last four years. And so that gives me, you know, I don't have to be so afraid about how something I say say could, you know, jeopardize my career. So, you know, it's the only way to be. Yes, that's the only way to be, and it's that's that's incredible. You know, I didn't really understand this until I found myself. But you know, Tucker Tucker said something very interesting. I found I found this quote by him, and he said, "The more you tell the truth, the more powerful you are." And I was. Oh my God! You know that is re- there's actually something to that, and so uh, you know I I I'm very thankful that I'm in a position where I can say what I think. I don't have to worry about what my boss will think. So <laughs> yeah, good. Well, thank you very much. Um, where Great can people pleasure, find James? As always, where can f- and and uh, again, warm greetings to all your viewers and listeners, uh, and uh, until the next happy time.
0: Do you want to do you want to plug anything? Do you want to mention where people can find your stuff? Well,
1: or? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yes. So I'm I'm easy to find on X. Uh, my handle is at Hedgy. and I write on Substack uh, Alex Craner's Trend Compass. And then from there, it's easy to find. There's a, a couple of other platforms, but it's easy to find it from there.
0: Great. And my beloved viewers and listeners, thank you, thank you for watching and listening. Um please support my sponsors who I think are great. Um you'll find the details below the in the in the blur below the podcast. Um if you want to see self-interest here, I find it's maybe the most effective method. Uh if you want early access to my podcast, because I, I now delay them by a, a week for general release. If you want early access, do or just want to just bung some money my way and support me and you know, support the cause. I'm on Subscribestar, on Substack, on Locals, on Patreon, or you can buy me a coffee, although you don't get the early access then. But I I think Locals and Substack are the best. Um, And you also get my epic essays on all manner of things. Um, Thank you very much for um, your support. And thanks again, Alex Grainer.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Great.